Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies Broadcast, episode four today, episode four, and we're joined, oh, well, firstly I'll start, I'm Luke Hatfield, I'm joined by two regular guests, first of all, West Brom correspondent here at the Express and Star, Mr Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? I'm good, thanks, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad, and we're joined once again by Mr Andrew Turton, digital journalist here and a big Baggies fan, Andy, how are you? Not too bad, thank you, very well, very well. Good stuff. Uh, no league action really um, in in the football calendar. So, what have you guys been up to during this international break? Uh, I've been looking after uh, a one-year-old with hand, foot, and mouth over the weekend. So, it's not oh, it's not so really been a great uh, weekend for me. Foot and mouth gives me memories of uh, when I was about eight years old, going in and out of farms. I used to live in Somerset back in the day, so it was quite prevalent back where it's I was. It's a different it's a different disease, thank goodness. Hand, foot, and uh, mouth is. Uh, Completely different. I always disease. thought it was the same. Don't link the two. Don't link the two. No. Yeah. no. What's the difference? Is it, is it one of them? One, one of them affects cows. Cattle, one of them. Right? One of them affects livestock. The other one affects babies. What's bovine? Yeah. Is it similar at all? No. 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 They're different diseases. They're completely different things. Well, hopefully uh, your little one's okay, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Glad. Well, glad it's not a, a, a cattle illness, which is. Uh, <laughs> that would be a bit more serious, <laughs> I think. <laughs> This, this yeah, is quite common. A medical mystery. No, that's that's good stuff. It shows how much I know about my um, uh, ch- ch- child childlike diseases. I guess childhood diseases. Yeah. That's it, that's is it, it. Is it even a disease? An illness? I don't know. But it's it's bad to hear, Matt. But <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. I'm glad he's getting over it at least. <laughs> I like the new medical segment that we've got in the podcast. No, that's something you know. I had a bit of man flu a couple of days ago that we didn't really get to discuss. So you know. Oh mate, that's serious. No, that is pretty serious. tough. Pretty tough. Yeah. I've yeah. managed to dodge it so far, but I've got a feeling I'm going to get some sort of uh, flu. With, with all the co- coughing and spluttering that's going on in the office, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's bound to happen, it's bound to happen. Yeah. How, what, what did you get up to this international oh, program? Mom powered into insignificance, really. Um, literally, I went to Wagon Mama's. And, oh, mate. Um, I've drunk some cider, so... Happy days. Sounds yeah. a good weekend so that was a, It was warm, hot, mulled, wa- mulled cider, oh, it was. Oh. So nice, yeah, I thought I'd get that going for, uh, for winter, so yeah. Not bad at all, mate, mm. not bad at all what's your go-to at Wagamama by the way um just a bit of a standard chicken ramen I think you know exactly the same yeah <laughs> what else do you do well I, I tried to think of, of like all the you know something fancy a bit more specialist but no yeah just do with that Matt do you go to Wagamama very often no no <laughs> should give it a go mate it's not too bad if you like your Japanese food but anyway, uh, <laughs> I like we've covered the topic. Yeah, we've we've certainly covered Albion very heavily in this first couple of minutes. But let's actually talk about Albion. Uh, like I said, it's been an international break, so uh, not all the squad have been in action. And even Tony Pulis has taken a little bit of a flight out. He's enjoying the sun. Where, where's he gone, Matt? Well, he went to Barbados last week, but he's uh, he's back in today. Um, so yeah, he you know when you. you it, it raised a few eyebrows, I think, his holiday. But um, to be fair, you know, ten, you know, ten players away on international duty. Mm. Um, there was only a, a handful who could have done any work. He certainly couldn't have done much with the squad. And um, I think after the defeat to Huddersfield, you know, letting them go or giving everyone a five days off, those that weren't involved in, in international mm. duty, was a wise idea. I mean, we spoke to Ali Robertson about it, and he said, yeah, after that sort of defeat against ten man, you, you know give everyone a bit of time to clear their head and then come back in and almost treat it now like at the start of a new season, really. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he, he's, he's gone... He, he went to Barbados with his wife uh, for, for their annual anniversary holiday, um, oh. which is I think is fair enough. Uh, but they're back in today and 
all those players that um, haven't been involved in international duty uh, will be back in as well. This is the thing with, with breaks for managers, especially like this. When he gets to an international break, he's not involved with any, any business. If, if Albion had just come off a five-game winning streak, he'd be like, yeah, go and enjoy yourself, Tone. I think it's fair enough anyway. I think, you know, it, 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 as I said, there's, there, there's not much you can do when there's no players there. You know, mm. what, what's he going to do? Just watch, re, re-watch the Huddersfield game over and over again. Mm. And it's not, there's not too much you can do. I, I, th- I, th- I think it was, a, it was a fair call. Yeah. Uh, Pulis, of course, you know, has this pressure really got to him now? Because the Huddersfield result was a bad one. I mean, I wasn't here last, last podcast, but I saw the highlights of the game. It didn't, it didn't look great. Um, and this break, does it kind of work in Pulis's favour? Does it, do, do fans kind of think, oh, well, we'll move on from this in this break? Or do they, do they still hold as much rage regarding the result as they did? Immediately afterwards, well, I think the fans are probably—it's probably simmering under the surface a little bit. I think everyone's still sort of got it at the forefront of your minds. Everyone always remembers the last result, regardless of what it is. But you know, it probably was a good time to have a bit of a break. You know, it um, certainly, I think, for for Tony and for for the players, I think it was definitely time to sort of get away and sort of get away from the criticism a little bit I mean you know it looked a lovely break that, that uh, he took his his wife on I'm sure that was really nice uh, uh, set the bar a little bit high for sort of uh, the rest of us sort of thinking about our anniversaries and stuff with <laughs> wives and girlfriends but um, you just go wagamama yeah you, this is it yeah yeah you know it's yeah you can't just pick up a Tesco card and a bunch of flowers can you nowadays no, but no. still but no uh, again back to the point I think definitely uh, it's probably been a good thing to just sort of uh, with a lot of the squad they Way and sort of um, yeah, a bit of a time to sort of uh, think maybe and uh, take some time to reflect and sort of move on. On yeah. that on that issue whether um, it was a good time to have the break, uh, you can look at it two ways, can't you? In, in the mm. vacuum of the international break with no game to come, you know, straight after the Huddersfield game, that the pressure seems to slowly build and build. And you know, we're hearing about fans emailing the chairman. Mm. Um, there are a few other things that have happened. Fans have been speaking to members of the board at the Albion Assembly meeting. So you, you could argue that actually, okay, people might take their eye off league football during the international break and focus on a few of uh, a few different stories, like mm-hmm. you know McLean and, and the Northern Irish trio in World Cup action, um, or you know the vacuum could actually make make it you know ten times worse because as Andy says, the last the last performance, the last result wasn't a good one. Yeah, and you said before that Pulis wasn't really under pressure from the board so much; it was more the fans. But having seen this break and obviously seen the Huddersfield result, do you think that the the higher ups could have possibly looked at maybe some potential re- replacements during this break? Um, I would be surprised if they weren't contemplating it because it would be a complete dereliction of duty when mm. when the when the you know the fan base is so, the feeling in the fan base is so toxic at the moment yeah. um, and the run of two wins in twenty league games is you know the worst in the league. Um, I would be incredibly surprised if they hadn't um, thought about that because, you know, when Dan Ashworth was technical director um, at the club, he said that even if things were going well, you you know, as every club should have a list of possible potential managers because you, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, mm. you know, I'm, this, it's a horrible thing to say, but what if, what if your head coach at the time falls ill or something? You, you need to have yeah. contingency plans in place. So I'm sure that they have done, I'm sure they have got ideas. I'm sure they are thinking... What you know in the eventuality that we that we do decide um, to do this um, to you know to make this call, mm-hmm. who do we get in? And and for me, that's actually 
the hardest part of the decision, isn't it? You know, yeah. firing someone's pretty easy, really, if things aren't going well. In fact, it's the easy way out in many ways. Um, the hard thing is replacing them. And there's no point replacing somebody with, you know, a worse manager. Now, mm-hmm. I know supports will say, well, hang on a minute, we're on two, we're on relegation form at the moment. And yeah, I completely agree with that. But that being said, Pulis has got 25 years of management experience under his belt. Yeah. In the past, I know he's on the worst run he's ever had, but in the past, he's turned these these runs around. And, and even, you know, if you look at last season when, when things weren't going so well, he turned that around. Um, so it, it, you need to make the decision when it becomes to, to the point where the risk sticking with him is greater than the risk not, not, not sticking with him or the risk in changing him. Mm-hmm. Add into the cocktail of that mix his, you know, his relationship with the fans is deteriorating and almost, almost some would argue there's no way back. I'm not sure about that. I think there's, for every, for every manager and player, there's a way back if you start winning games. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- you know, say if he won the next five games, I'm sure there's a way back. But I do understand the situation. I do, I do agree that the, um, you know, the relationship has never been at its lowest ebb, which is what it is at the moment. Mm, yeah, I, I feel that it's going to be a tough. Uh, we've we've already discussed it in the last few uh, podcasts in terms of the uh, the coming run and where we sort of see it in terms of you know what will be the actual point of no return a little bit with this. But I do see the situation hopefully improving if everyone comes back with a bit of a clear mind, a bit of clarity about where they can go from here and sort of try and see. You know, try and get behind the manager a little bit in this next couple of games and see if he can't turn around. Because I think everyone's got a responsibility, fans as well. You know, to try and sort of you know try and find a way forward for it at the minute. Yeah, well, we'll move on anyway, just because Pulis is you know his situation hasn't changed massively since the last game. Uh, but we have seen a number of players in international duty. Uh, you touched on the Northern Ireland trio. Uh, they they fell to defeat over two legs to Switzerland. Uh, Matt, how did the players get on? I mean, the likes of Johnny Evans, uh, Brunet and McCauley all in there. They were, yeah. And I, I watched the game last night and I, I must admit, I'm just absolutely gutted for Brunt mm. because, I mean, obviously it's, 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 it's you know, sad for Evans and, and McCauley to miss out on the chance of going to a World Cup. Um, and that is a bigger deal than the Euros. But, you know, for Brunt, who's, who missed the Euros last year, which, you know, I, it was horrible to watch and it was horrible interviewing him afterwards, I must admit, you know, mm. you could... Bless him. He put on a brave face, and, and you know he is a he's a sensible bloke and a pragmatic bloke. He knows that thing that these things happen in football. Mm. But to have you know one major tournament robbed from you by injury is is unlucky, and then to have another one. I know Switzerland were the better team over the two legs, and yeah. I know they battered them in the first game, and they did, and they probably deserve to go through, and they are a good side. But the goal that decided it was not a penalty, and you can't get around that fact. And and I think Brunt. To be fair to him, summed it up really well after the game, and you know when even when emotions were high, so, you know some this is football. Some some decisions go for you, some don't. This one hasn't, and you know there's nothing you can do to change it. Um, but it is it is difficult to take, and I'm, I'm sure it is difficult to take for him. I I feel, I mean, obviously Evans and McCauley too, and McCauley's probably going to retire now from international duty. Um, well, that's sort of the, the insinuation he was um, he was making before before the game. I mean. Haven't spoken to him in the past. He seems, in his club career at least, happy just to go on mm-hmm. uh, until 
he's he literally cannot until he stops being picked almost. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but maybe he's thinking, well, I could prolong my club career by by, by you know dropping out of the international scene. Mm. Be difficult to do um, because you know it's not like Northern Ireland have got a wash with um, with options, um, and those three players are massive to them. You, know, you just have to watch the game last night. Brunt had two shots on target in the first half from left back. Yeah. <laughs> Evans, Evans had uh, you know a header cleared off the line, and in, in the last 20, well, in the last twenty minutes they were sticking McCordy up front. So yeah. they're at the heart of that team, and you know I think a lot will depend on what Michael O'Neill does. Um, you know, there's also been some talk that Brunt might um, retire from international duty. Now I'd be surprised if he did that because I think that two years can go pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and the Euros come in uh, in two years' time. There's more of a chance of yeah. qualification there. I was going to say, arguably, they've still got a chance as of Wales, as of Scotland, to sort of make those finals. So you know they've got a real opportunity still there. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm gutted as well for Brunty because you know seeing the guy well up as he was clapping the fans and applauding them at the end of the game, you could tell how much he really wears. Uh, his shirt with pride uh, for Northern Ireland. You know he's been a stalwart of that team for a decade, as, uh, and, and and you know. You just, yeah, you just really feel for the guy, to be honest. Yeah. Does this decision? I mean, you said there was nothing that you know you can do about these decisions. Does this decision really, you know, push VAR the use of it uh, more forward? But just just because although Brunt did say there's nothing you can do to change it, if VAR was there like it was in the England game. It's a re- that decision's reversed. It's a really difficult one because that, whenever you have a decision like this. Um, it's 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 a big call for VAR, isn't it? You know, you think, oh, there's there's an injustice there, and that could be fixed within 10, 15 seconds of mm. just all we had to do was go to a fourth official who was watching it and said, oh, that's not a penalty. The other flip side of it is if we go down that route and you have video technology for what the big games playoffs mm. then what why not you know you take, have them for every league game and then you start you ending in the stop start situation where because the, fra- the because the the you know the fractions are so small and, and you know the lines are so fine at the top level mm-hmm. then the throw in becomes important you know yeah. uh, any free kick in the even in your mm. half becomes important mm. so it all if you go down that route, then all of a sudden you get into quite a stop-start situation. And you know, I don't know about you two, but I can't watch American football because of that. It's so boring, and that's not where I want to go. And there is also, I do kind of enjoy the human element of it. You know, there's a similar um, discussion taking place in tennis at the moment about um, line calls and whether they you know, keep line judges or or have um, uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Um, so I don't know really. Yeah, because they used it recently. I think in a, a an ATP Tour event where they uh, they just uh, dismissed any line judges and just completely ad hoc I do and all the uh, all the all the decision making. I mean, for me, it would spoil the game a little bit to see such a stop start motion. But we've seen how it can work in cricket. I think if there was some sort of limit on the amount of appeals that you can make through through uh, the video referee that could be one way of doing it but again you know we've had no real clarity ever from FIFA at all about where it's all going to go but I just think for a game like that with such magnitude it's such a shame that it has to be that this will still be the talking point in 20-30 years time yeah certainly discussion that's going to carry on another man who featured uh, this one for England was Jake Livermore once again uh, played 86 minutes in the nil-nil draw uh, Matt, I'm assuming you, you uh, caught, caught some of his appearance. I did, yeah. I watched it on Friday night by myself with the kids. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was... I thought Jake did all right. I thought he played quite well. I mean, he he, he looked... Um, he's always played well for England, I thought, I've thought, mm. this year, since he was uh, recalled from by Southgate. And 
you know, uh, there are a few Albion fans, and I can understand why they think he shouldn't be in the in the first team. And there is an argument, and I, I, I would I'm a proponent of it that. Do you really need him and Barry in that team together? Mm. They're slightly different in the sense that Barry's, you know, nothing got the legs that Livermore has and is a bit more of a um, of a ball playing passer than yeah. Livermore is. Um, whereas Livermore's more of a sort of um, I don't. I mean, it's, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit disservice to call him this, but a bit more of a water carrier. Yeah, you could yeah. Argue. No, it's a good definition. And um, and. And so I would say, well, maybe you don't need them both in the same team. You, you certainly don't need three of the three holding midfielders in the same team. I don't think. But um, for for England, he's always done quite well. Yeah. So I can understand why. I know he's only in there because Winks pulled out, um, and there was, you know, that was a bit of a farce. The amount of players that pulled oh, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, if he keeps getting picked, there's every chance he could go to Russia next year. You have to take them chances. Is it? If, yeah. If you're someone like Jake Livermore, who's not who's not the first name on the sheet, you have to take your chances when they come to you. And you, I mean, there was a there's there's always a mixed reaction with even performances on Twitter and social media. But like you said, he, he did a job, and he did. He, at the end of the day, they held Germany to a clean sheet. Whether, whether I think he, he played. Did you see the game, Andy? Yeah, very much. And I, you know, players like Loftus Cheek had a fantastic performance in that as well. But for Livermore, you know, for players of that that sort of level, you know, it can be a once in a lifetime sort of thing to make a World Cup. You know, and and it'd be fantastic for West Brom to have a, a player that goes to the tournament. We had Ben Foster that went to uh, to Brazil. Um, and uh, you know it's a, it's a wonderful caveat for the club to sort of uh, to have a, a representative over in Russia, and and for me uh, you know he is obviously going to be one that could make up the squad, not necessarily going to be starting if he if he got picked, but you know I, I'm sure he could do a job, and uh, yeah, it'd be fantastic, and hopefully if he can take that form then back into his club uh, club appearances then. You know, he's got every chance of hopefully sneaking in that squad. I think that's the issue, though, isn't it? Loftus cheek overshadowed him, really. Yeah. And then you've got Winks coming in, and then you've got Henderson coming back, and all of a sudden he's further and further down the pecking order. Yeah. You've got Dyer that can play in there as well. So I, I you know, it's probably going to be tough for him to get in the squad, but I don't think he's done himself any uh, any harm with that yeah. performance. Another man in action, James McLean. Uh, as of recording, he's only played the first leg of his playoff with the Republic of Ireland. Nil-nil, that one with Denmark. Uh, do you reckon he could be a man who uh, kind of carries, or not carries the team to uh, to the World Cup, but you know represents West Brom at a World Cup? Absolutely. I mean, he's he's been a talisman for the Republic of Ireland this this campaign. I think he scored something like three winners in the qualifying group, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he's got something like ten goals. In his last thirty odd appearances for for his country, so he's he's brilliant um, when he when he lines up for Ireland, and that's because they um, they completely play to his strengths. They they mould mm-hmm. the team around him. You know, O'Neill plays quite similar to Pulis in many ways. A, a very dogged defence that breaks at speed. Um, well, similar to Pulis last season, anyway. And mm-hmm. you know they, but McLean is the man they break with, and he it's all geared up to him. Mm-hmm. And um, he is one of those. Um, Sort of strange uh, anomalies. The way he plays better, he seems well. He seems to play better for his country than his club. Yeah, uh, Matt Phillips as well. He featured in a friendly against the Netherlands, and he was uh, played up front. Is that is that a position which you think Matt Phillips can actually you know really set himself in? Uh, I'm not totally convinced. I, I think it was. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but obviously I think the Scotland side had a few injury problems and things up front. But I'm not necessarily sure that that was uh, an ideal position for him. But I, 
I think he had a relatively good game from reports. I didn't obviously see the game, but I've read that you know he gave quite a combative performance. But I'm not sure finishing wise or anything like that is ever going to sort of lead the line and sort of be of that ilk internationally. I'm sure. Mm. I don't know what you think. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's good enough with his back to goal. That's yeah. that's all my because he's a winger. I think he's brilliant at running at people, but I don't. I haven't. I've not seen enough of him with his back to goal, so I don't know. But. Um, that would be my only question mark over that. Yeah, and we'll just touch on a couple of others. Rondon, he, he did feature uh, in a 1-0 win over Paraguay for Venezuela. Nasser Chadli actually played a, a wing-back for, for Belgium in a 3 all draw with Mexico. Well, there we go. He's, I mean, <laughs> a man of many talents. Yeah. Pulis will love that. <laughs> I mean, this, this, I mean, the 3 all score scoreline doesn't exactly you know, speak wonders about the Belgian defence, but with Roberto Martinez in charge, you know, he's always going to concede goals, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He but, is, yeah. um, is, could Chadley play a wing back regularly for Albion? Or, or I don't it? think so, but he has been playing there this season. That's where, he, that's where he's been <laughs> played. But no, I, I, I mean I don't want to see him at wing back. I'd rather see him, you know, either as a forward or or as an in, you know left handed side forward or an inside number ten. And one last man who, uh, who he did make an international appearance, or he didn't appear, but he did feature for an international team in the squad was Sam Field at under twenty one level for England. Uh, their, their side won a 2-0 against Ukraine um, is he one for the future for England do you think we did touch on this last week in a video but I thought it was worth bringing up in the podcast because he's certainly, he's certainly done, done himself no harm oh it's a fantastic achievement for Sam Field mm-hmm. um, and I'm really impressed with him both on and off the pitch ever since he um, sort of came onto the scene with, with Lico it was about just over a year ago uh, towards the end of that season and, and I, everyone was raving about Lico and, but for me I thought Field was the one that stood out purely mm-hmm. because he was so calm and, and he seems to be very mature and yeah, fantastic call up for him for the under twenty ones, and deservedly so. And he's only still only nineteen, which actually staggers me because when you when you see him and speak to him, he, he comes across a lot older. And as I said to you last week, Luke, mm. you know, he strikes me as a sort of he's got that quiet determination of like a Darren Fletcher or a Gareth Barry. Yeah. And, I, and even if it's not at Albion, although you know he's a massive Baggies fan, so I'm sure he hopes it is at Albion. But even if it's not at Albion, I think he's probably I think he's got a long career in the game. Does he need a loan spell? Uh, potentially for me, I think really, but <clears throat> I like the way that he's been speaking. As Matt touched on there, you know, he's, he's spoken very much of learning from the pros that he's there at the club at the moment. But he's obviously got Barry and, and Livermore and Krakowi out there that are sort of uh, going to be great mentors if he learns off these sort of players. That's going to only stand him in good stead. I still think he probably could do with a loan move, but you know, it, the trouble is he's got those three in front of him, and uh, you know, and while they're there, he's going to struggle to sort of pin down a, a, a lot of football. Mm. I think he needs. I think he needs a low move. He needs games. He needs senior games. He's good enough to do it. He's proved that in the Premier League. I think he needs to go to the Championship now, and if he can play forty games a season and really, you know, just get that experience under his belt, get that match day experience. Mm. Uh, in him and it will stand him in good stead uh, hopefully for the future yeah so a good little international roundup there for some of Albion's players we've got a little segment I've put together for you it's a quick one this one's a true or false so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a scenario relating to Albion uh, which could happen this season uh, and you have to say basically if you think it's going to be true or false so I'll start with the first one here uh, West Brom and Tony Pulis should part ways even if they secure their Premier League status at the end of the season well hang on about you're, you're saying should you're yeah, asking so, for our opinion. So true or false? Should should they part ways with Tony Pulis, even if they stay up? Oh, the silence is deafening. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> um, I'd probably say true, just only out of a fan's perspective that, you know, a lot of fans seem to have reached the end of the road with Tony. If his one sort of final act is to keep the Albion up this season, then 
everyone could probably part on quite amicable terms and you can look to the future and bring someone else in. Mm. I would say true as well, purely to the point, as I touched on earlier, that it seems like the relationship between him and the fans, which has never always, which has never been, you know, completely rosy, but it seems that it's deteriorated pretty, pretty badly recently. Mm. So at the moment, I would say true, but you know, things change. That's it. Uh, Tony Pulis's three defensive midfielder formation will eventually come good this season. True or false? False. I, I, I've, I think I've just seen it enough that I don't, I don't think the players suit it. I don't think there's enough creativity in it. And I think it needs to change. Yeah, false for me. Exactly the same point, really. I can't see working. I can't see how you know it gives you enough options going forward, really. Mm. Nasser Chadley will leave in January. True. Yeah, true for me as well. I think that I think that there there will be in this sort of world of transfer dealings and, and sort of last minute cash splurges I think that there might just be a late deal that sort of takes him away Swansea are struggling as well you've yeah. got to remember that and they wanted him in the summer so they're going to be the biggest suitors do you reckon yeah and they got Renato Sanchez instead but he's been a flop so I think he could be off uh, to South Wales mm. okay last one uh, one Albion player will score more than 10 goals this season true Jay Rodriguez will get over the line do yeah. you reckon if they start playing Brunty again then uh, McCauley might score 10, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll look ahead now. Uh, it doesn't get any easier for West Brom this weekend. Chelsea, uh, they're not being in the form they were last season, but it's still quite a proposition for, for West Brom, isn't it? It is. And almost as interesting as what happens on the field will be what happens off the field, I think, and in the stands. Um, and that will be dictated by how they play. Mm. If there, if it isn't you know a poor performance, you can see the Smevic certainly, maybe the Brummy as well, both turning on Pulis, and you've got the owner's going to be there as well. I mean, he was always planning to come. Um, he's not jetting in for you know any crisis talks. He was always planning to come, mm-hmm. but that being said, the fact that he's there has taken on added significance considering the run that they're on and considering the clamour for Tony to go. So. It's going to be an interesting game. I, I think it doesn't. It's not a must-win. It doesn't really matter about the result. It matters about the performance. Mm. I think you know fans aren't stupid. They don't expect you know they didn't expect Albion to beat Man City. They just want to see the team give it all and in a system that suits them. And I think even if you know if they lose valiantly. Um, I mean, there might be, it might not be enough for some, but I think the majority of reasonable supporters out there will will see that as a positive. But yeah, it's going to be a very intriguing day. Yeah, the atmosphere is going to be key to it, I think, really. Um, you know, we, we hope that they've sort of gathered themselves a little bit after the break and can sort of uh, put on a performance that the fans really want, you know, and, and, and sort of show that, that passion and... and, and, and put it into action in terms of a good team performance rather than it sort of spilling over into frustrations on the pitch and, and that balls over into sort of anger from the stands a little bit. Mm. Do you reckon uh, if it's... I mean, we said it's all about the performance, but if 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 West Brom loses by more than three goals, is, is Pulis under serious threat after that game? Do you reckon it could yeah, happen? Yeah, I mean, if he, loses it, if he loses it heavily, then... then and then, if the fans turn, then you'd have to say yes. Um, you know, the the 
the unknown entity in this, as I keep saying, is, is Groucho and Lai. Mm. And if he's he you know he overrides anything that the board want to do. So even if the board, you know, are reticent to act, whether it's because they um, trust Pulis to get to turn form around, or whether it's because they they do not believe there's a suitable successor out there, mm. um, then if but if Lai thinks this has got to change, my you know the Premier League status is a threat. Um, you know, some it's hard to predict what he what he will do because we've never seen been in this situation before. Last season was hunky dory, really. I mean, I know they had a poor run at the end of the season, but they were safe and you know they they managed to they even finished in the top half despite a dreadful nine games towards the end of the season. So yeah, it's 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 lies. It's the unknown entity of lie which which will be interesting. Mm. If lie was to if Lai was to, you know, let the board and let Williams um, get on with it, I still, I still think even if they lose to Chelsea, unless it goes catastrophically wrong and the home fans all, you know, absolutely turn, mm. um, I don't think it will be the end. Um, I still think that if it's if it is left to Williams, unless we had a catastrophic, never mind sort of the next four, five games, it, I think if any, even if it went into the new year, unless we were on a terrible run where we hadn't won up until say the FA Cup and, and, and things, then I still think that he'll be in the job, you know, going forward towards the end of the season. To be honest, but you know, it, it, I'd if, be surprised if it, if he got that far. I would be surprised if yeah. he got that far. If if he didn't, if he hadn't, if he hasn't won by you know Christmas. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. Uh, yeah, that is the only sticking point. I think if it, you know, if we if we've gone right through to the end of the year, then I think there will be you know the trigger button will be uh, will be pressed. But uh, you know, I, I think they'll wait until the last possible moment. But we've got this unknown entity. Will lie. This will be a big chance to see. What he does because I there hasn't been a situation under his tenure yet that that, that he's faced of, of this sort of magnitude really. So if the pressure builds, you know, is he going to sort of be the man to sort of press the button and, and end it? It will know? certainly be the biggest decision Lies had to make oh, in charge of West Brom. Yes, yeah. since, since since he's taken over. Surely. Yeah, and that's even if he makes it because yeah. you know he he knows that he doesn't know much about football. He's employed Williams and Goodman and others and you know Richard Garlick to. To do to make those decisions. That's why I just think they'll be rational enough to give it, you know, a, a, a long period before finally making that decision. I just don't think, you know, I, I think I'm struggling to see a scenario uh, apart from them going on a, and an even worse one, the run extending even longer that they'll that they'll just get rid. Um, I, I think they're looking at it quite, you know, quite with a level head, and I don't think you know even with fans' anger building that it will sort of cause them to to. You know, get rid before I, Christmas. I don't think um, the Chelsea and Spurs games. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. But I think the three games after that are massive mm-hmm. for me. You know, Newcastle Palace, both at home. Newcastle Swansea Palace away. Swansea away. Yeah. Though you know that you could see a situation in that in that, on those one one of games if if it's as bad as it has been recently. I I would be I'd be surprised if he lasted that. But that's take that's that's if you, you know we're talking about ifs and buts here that's mm. if he's lost the two games against the big ones and he loses those three you know we yeah that that you know yeah that's where it can see what is more what's, high, what's more likely is it's not going to be as black and white no uh can we expect a similar kind of setup as the way they face Manchester City? I mean, we saw we saw him introduce a new kind of style, which we've not really seen too often at West Brom, and against another big side in Chelsea. Can we expect something similar from Pulis? Do you reckon? 
I think so because uh, they play three at the back as well, don't they? So mm-hmm. I think he'll mirror them. Um, he seems to like doing that. So I'd imagine he'd go. I imagine he'll stick with the five-three-two. Uh, you know, unless he thinks I'm on the I'm on the rack here. I need to I need to do something different. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I said that before the Huddersfield game, and he didn't. So we 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 wait and see. Is it risk of if if he does do something like that and say ch- changes it completely? Is it risk of almost more of a backlash if it doesn't work? Because then it almost seems like oh he's just trying different things purely to try and appease the fans. No, I, I I don't think so. I think if he what if he changed it and went to what four two three one stuck Burke and Phillips on, mm-hmm. I don't think there would be a backlash there. I think you know that people, that's what all the fans have been calling for. And as I said earlier, you know they're not they're not they're not you know they're not ridiculously going to then turn around and say. Well, how dare you do what we've been asking you to do? Mm. Uh, all right, well, we'll look ahead anyway, because you did mention this upcoming run of games. And um, like you said, Chelsea and Spurs first, Newcastle, Palace and Swansea. Uh, how many points do you think Pulis realistically needs to get from that five-game run to, to keep his job and maybe to get the fans back on side somewhat? Uh, well, those are two different questions. To keep his job, six, maybe mm. four potentially, mm-hmm. to get the fans back on side, maybe seven, nine. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, fans would love maybe three. Maybe more, maybe more. <laughs> the three wins out of them, but I think five, you know, I think they'd love to see us go on beating in that little three-game run to yeah. try and sort of, you know, that would certainly keep people on board a little bit more. And if you had to pick one of them three games, which was the most important? I mean, for me, it always screams Palace, because Palace, they started so poorly. Uh, they've They've not been... You know they've not bounced back completely. That's probably the game you've got to label as a must, must win. Although Newcastle at home is just as important because you're at home. Newcastle, at, so it's Newcastle at home, isn't it? After Spurs, yes. To be on, to be honest, when you get to this point, they're all huge because you know every defeat just heaps more pressure on, and every poor performance does, and then every point and every win alleviates a bit of pressure so they're all you know they're all massive to be honest even even Chelsea and Spurs mm. yeah well we saw the other week with the away fans starting to really turn against Pulis you know and I mean I imagine that off the back of sort of Palace and you at Newcastle at home you know it could be a really bad atmosphere if you're suddenly going one or two nil down yeah do you reckon his first two games are almost a bit of a free pass I mean I know he's under a lot of pressure but Chelsea Spurs big big sides I don't think they're free passes, no. No. I think that I'm not expecting the results to come, um, but if the performances aren't good, then yeah, that'll that'll you know make the situation just worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look ahead. So the Chelsea now. Uh, we'll get predictions from you both. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Big big game at home. How do you think Pulis is going to get on? I think it'll be another gutsy defeat uh, to a big side, the likes that we've seen the last this season and and the season before. Uh, you know, enough to, as I said earlier, so that it's not black and white. So you know, and we'll we'll be de- debating it afterwards, saying you know, was that good enough? Was it not good enough? And I just I because he has this habit of there's the way he plays by you know shutting up shop or doing his best to shut up shop. Um, you know. It, I just think it'll be a gutsy defeat. I'm going to go with uh, 2-1 to Chelsea. I I used to ever be the optimist with West Brom, to be honest, but at the moment I'm finding that reserve quite drained at the minute. I'm I'm, I'm not 
I'm not even convinced we'll score, to be honest. Uh, really? I think that we may slip to, at best, about 2-0, really. I, I think, hopefully, a good performance and a goal would certainly put a little bit of sugar coating on, on uh, a quite high likely defeat. But, yeah, I, I'm not convinced that we're going to have a massive change in fortunes. I must admit, I'm equally worried. I'm normally an optimist when it comes to these things. Normally when I'm giving a score prediction, I'm like, yeah, you know what, West Brom, even though they're against Chelsea, they can pull something out. I genuinely think they're going to lose this game 3-0. 3-0, maybe maybe even more. If, if things turn bad and the crowd get on West Brom's back, I think there's serious worries regarding the amount of goals that they could concede. I think, yeah, it even boils down to a very, having a really good sort of first half an hour or something for me. Mm. Um, because I, I, I just think there'll be so much tension in the crowd already. Everyone will be sort of really antsy. It's the first game back after international break and everyone wants to see a, a reaction and a performance that sort of gives you a bit of pride and a bit of hope that for the, for the rest of the season. And I, I just feel like if they don't quite get on the front foot and be... Uh, be, well, not on the front foot against Chelsea, but try and be positive and try and uh, give a performance that the fans want to see. I think they'll they'll soon be back on their back, and I think it could be uh, that could be uh, you know tough for them after that. Mm. And uh, one last prediction before we go: Will Tony Pulis be in a job in a week's time? Yes. Yes. All right. So there's still a little bit of optimism between you. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Uh, can I just say before? Are we about to wrap up? We are about to wrap Could up. Could everybody that's listening, if you are enjoying the podcast, can you just rate and review them on iTunes? Because yes. um, that helps us uh, get a bit more recognised. And also tell all your baggies, friends and family about the podcast and try and get them involved. Um, we just want to get as many listeners as we can. And if you've got any questions and you know comments, good and bad, fire them across on Twitter. Yeah, I'll echo those sentiments. We've had over a thousand listens on each episode so far, so we do appreciate everyone who's tuning in and enjoying these episodes. Make sure to offer any comments, uh, just as Matt has said. Uh, and we will try and endeavour to get all your questions answered as well. So if you do have any questions, uh, we, we will always endeavour to get them asked. So guys, appreciate you both coming on today. I know it's been a bit of a shorter podcast. We've been a little bit pushed for time today, but uh, I do appreciate you coming in. Uh, Matt, thank you. That's all right. Cheers, Luke. Turts, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And good luck to the baggies this weekend as they take on Chelsea. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.